0: I love that new subscribe button. Somebody sent that to me. Isn't that cool? Subscribe. Hi, I'm David Feldman, and this is The Mop Up. Roger Taney is the Supreme Court Chief Justice who wrote the Dred Scott decision, which upheld slavery and denied citizenship to black Americans. Yesterday, Congress voted to remove his statue from the Capitol. Then Samuel Alito said... I'll take it. Donald Trump had a big announcement today. Uh, He used his social media platform on Thursday to announce he is selling digital Donald Trump trading cards featuring pictures of him dressed as Superman with a cape and a world champion belt. Yep. Looking just like Superman. Yep. Trump is the man of steel. Ing money from his investors. (laughs) Trump figured he must be Superman when Melania nicknamed his jockstrap Smallville. And uh, here we see this is an actual picture, a trading card of Donald Trump not making this up. He's using his X-ray vision to see through Ivanka's blouse. I wish I were making this up, but Donald Trump is desperate. Imagine it. Imagine a world without Donald Trump. Now, even though he declared his candidacy exactly a month ago today, there are now reports that Donald Trump, seen here squeezing his forehead to hold back a buttload of Mar-a-Lago breakfast buffet flatulence, because that's, that's where his ass would be, his head, his frontal cortex would be where he passes wind out of. Anyway, there are reports that uh, I need coffee. There are reports that Donald Trump may drop out of the presidential race before the first primary. But don't worry, there will be round the clock coverage of this man because he'll see to it. The last thing Donald Trump wants is to go away, especially to prison. And we all know the Trump saga must constantly reinvent itself. Now, we've already seen candidate and President Trump. And while it was a terrific show of nonstop entertainment, it's tired. It's stale. We've seen it already. And you got to give the people something new, like a series of show trials. And Trump knows that. He is a master entertainer. He understands the American people perhaps better than nobody. He gets what the American people want to see. And he knows, he knows that we want to see him go on trial. He knows that. He knows that everyone in the Republican Party wants to see him go on trial. But they're too cowed by him to say that. Nobody in the GOP likes him. They want him to go to prison, and he knows that. His lapdogs like Ted Cruz or Lindsey Graham, they are all on record calling Donald Trump a dangerous con artist, but they will defend him to their last dying breath because they are terrified of him. Nobody is rooting for Merrick Garland more than the GOP leadership. And Trump knows this. He knows that he cannot show a single shred of weakness because weakness will lead his party to abandon him. And he's done. Once he's no longer running for president, he's done. And he may not get the nomination. There are no super delegates in the Republican Party. Unlike the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party is lousy with super delegates. But in the Republican Party during primary season, you have to win every delegate, which is why in 2016, Trump could not be stopped and Bernie Sanders could be stopped. Now, what happens if Donald Trump suddenly looks weak? And then what will the idiots who drive three days to attend his rallies think? You know, they live vicariously through Trump because he is the man of stealing your money. He is Superman. But what happens when they discover he is not Superman? They will despise him more than you and I do, because if he shows weakness, if he compromises, if he doesn't run for president, if he drops out, his people will not just abandon him, his people will realize that they had been had and they will be disgusted by him. And there is nothing more dangerous than a Trump supporter who is disgusted. Do you know how hard it is to be a disgusting person who is disgusted? These They're dangerous. When disgusting people get disgusted, you don't want to be in there. I don't want to say crosshairs. Trump is a private citizen now. He doesn't have Attorney General Bill Barr as his personal lawyer. Things are different now for Trump. This is very dangerous territory for him, and he knows it. He knows it. Back in 2016, he was an unknown quantity, and he didn't need anybody. People were... People were disposable, but now it's different. See, back in 2016, Republicans were clamoring to get inside his inner circle. Not now. Not now. They know the consequences. Only a fool, only an idiot would want to hitch their wagon right now to Trump's paddy wagon. Because you work for Trump now, you're you're either going to prison or you're going broke. And Trump knows this. He gets it. He's too savvy. He knows he's effed. He knows right now he is surrounded by the worst sycophants imaginable. And he knows the only people willing to help him right now are the mental defectives. He knows this. Since declaring his candidacy for president, He has hardly left Mar-a-Lago. It's been a month. He hasn't really left. Yet he found time to have dinner with a self-avowed Nazi and anti-Semite in the past month. Actually, Trump has dinner with a self-avowed Nazi and anti-Semite every time he dines alone. So it was no big deal that he met with Kanye or Nick Fuentes. He knows Kanye is insane and he knew Nick Fuentes is a Nazi, but he also knows That's all he's got left. He only has the crazies left. He knows this, he needs the crazies. In the past, semi-reputable people would come to work for him out of party loyalty or patriotism, but now, not now, everyone knows exactly who Donald Trump is. And there is a price to be paid If you go to work for him, if you get close to him now, there is a price to be paid in terms of reputation and even worse, legal fees. Trump has no choice now but to go even bigger in terms of spectacle. He's got to give the rubes what they want. He's got to go bigger, which is why he's doing the trading cards. He's just going to get bigger and bigger. And this time he's going to pop. During the past two weeks, he took to social media and called for the suspension of the Constitution. Today, he announced his superhero trading cards. And I think this today is the end for Trump. Even more embarrassing for Donald Trump is he lost the Senate for the Republican Party. He lost the Senate. The Senate was there. It was ripe for the picking for the GOP. Keep in mind that in the midterms last month, the Republicans won the popular vote by five million. In other words, if you add up all the congressional races and Senate races, five million more Americans voted for a Republican candidate than they did for a Democratic candidate. And that is why the GOP took the House uh, just barely. But they took it. And they should have had the Senate. It was their turn to take the Senate, and they lost it. Why? Well, Trump bullied Herschel Walker to run against Senator Raphael Warnick. Walker was as big an embarrassment to the Republican Party as, well, every other candidate who was running as a Republican. Let's be honest. Herschel Walker was no dumber, no bigger a fraud than anyone else the GOP puts in front of us. The problem with Herschel Walker is he didn't try to hide any of it. He openly admitted, for example, that he was against the minimum wage, which you would think would have been the single biggest story in that runoff. Walker, when asked during the debate, said he didn't think the government should dictate How much workers should earn at a bare minimum? He said, no, I'm against the the minimum wave, minimum wage. And it was a minimum wave, no red wave. Uh, That should have been covered. Everybody should know that Herschel Walker came out against the minimum wage. But who's going to talk about the minimum wage, which, by the way, is $7.25 an hour? Who's going to talk about the minimum wage? when there's adultery, abortion, or Walker making false claims about being a sheriff. You know, in the future, it might be a good idea for the media, if they ever want to do their job, to ask all Republicans running for office a simple question. Do you believe in a minimum wage? Not raising the minimum wage. Ask them, do you believe in the minimum wage? The answer would be shocking. The fact that the media would ask that question would also be shocking, the idea that somebody is actually doing their job. The Republicans don't believe in a minimum wage. They want to get rid of it. They want to get rid of Social Security. But nobody ever asks them that. They always ask, do you want to uh, cost of living adjustment for Social Security? And that will be debated. But when you scratch underneath the surface of all these Republican candidates, they want to get rid of Social Security. They want to get rid of the minimum wage. They would tell you that if somebody would ask them that. They asked that of Herschel Walker, and he said, yes, I want to get rid of the minimum wage. That is the biggest story coming out of Georgia. You should ask Republicans simple questions questions that one would think are settled law, like, are you pro-union? Do you believe in interracial marriage? Do you think interracial marriage should be legal? Would be nice if we just go back to square one and start asking Republicans these basic questions and get them on record. Anyway, despite being a horrible embarrassment of a candidate, Herschel Walker lost by only 100,000 votes. That's pretty close, considering what a horrible candidate he was. Brian Kemp, the Republican governor, was reelected. He beat Stacey Abrams by close to 300,000 votes, which means a lot of Republicans just couldn't bring themselves to vote for Herschel Walker. Kemp, by the way, believes everything Walker believes in. They're identical. They have the same exact platform. But Kemp has discretion. So a better candidate, one not picked by Donald Trump, one who was discreet, would have beaten Raphael Warnock. In Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz was also handpicked by Trump, and Dr. Oz lost to Democratic Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. Like Walker, Dr. Oz also had a little problem. He didn't live in the state he wanted to represent, It's like, I'll be your senator, but it's not like I'm going to live with you pigs. He was also in, Trump was also all in on election denier Blake Masters for Senate in Arizona. Blake Masters is a venture capitalist, a multimillionaire who ran against the elitists. Masters just doesn't oppose abortion. He's spoken out against the Griswold decision from the 60s. That was the decision that legalized the sale of contraception. Ask Republicans, do you believe that contraception should be legal? You will get some interesting answers. Blake Masters is against contraception, even though he looks like a used sponge. He was pro-guns, pro-assault weapons, wants to privatize Social Security, which is pretty much saying let's get rid of it. Horrible candidate. He lost. Trump picked him. Trump was all in on election denier, Adam Laxalt, who lost in Nevada. Laxalt, pro-gun, pro-assault weapons, anti-immigrant, a climate change denier. You know the drill, baby, drill. And he lost. So there's no question that had Trump stayed out of the midterms, the Republicans could have done what they always do, run equally vile candidates, who believe in and stood for all the staggeringly evil things Trump's candidates do, but they kept it quiet, right? If Trump had stayed out of the election, they could have picked quieter candidates who believed exactly the same things like QAnon candidate Doug Mastriano believed, handpicked by Donald Trump. Mastriano lost. He ran for governor of Pennsylvania. He's a white Christian nationalist, like every other Republican. He is not just an election denier, like every Republican. He was also there on January 6th, like every Republican. And in this election, he openly ran against Muslims, the LGBTQ, Hispanics, and Jews. He is an authoritarian who believes Jesus should be in the driver's seat. And he lost. He lost because he said it too loud. There were candidates the Republicans could have run instead of Mastriano, who believed all the things Mastriano believes in, but they would have kept it to themselves until it was time to cast a vote in the Senate. But Trump pushed Mastriano on them. And he lost. Had Trump stayed out of this race and the Republicans had been able to run candidates who believe in and fight for pretty much the same exact things that Trump and his vile candidates do. But, you know, but they kept it to themselves. Had Trump stayed out and McConnell run the show, ran the show The candidates would have communicated these vile policies through dog whistles. They would have communicated through surrogates in the evangelical community or in the white nationalist community or the gun loving community. They would have won. That's how Republicans win traditionally. By not saying these things out loud, you use dog whistles and surrogates. Mitch McConnell knows that Trump is a political liability. And even Trump knows that now. Here is Mitch McConnell uh, blaming Trump earlier this week. If not for Trump, there is no doubt that Mitch McConnell would be the incoming Senate majority leader. And here is Mitch McConnell blaming Donald Trump.
1: And I do think we have an opportunity to relearn one more time. You have to have quality candidates to win competitive Senate races. We went through this in 2010, 2012. Christine O'Donnell, Sharon Angle, Todd Aiken, Richard Murdoch.
0: All right. I love this because. Uh, he listed all these embarrassing candidates. That was that we're supposed to teach the Republicans a lesson. Let's let's review those uh, embarrassing candidates. Uh, Christine O'Donnell. Remember her? In 2010, she ran for Senate in Delaware. In Delaware, she admitted to dabbling in witchcraft. She was anti-abortion. She lied about her college education. She was accused of using her campaign donations as a personal piggy bank to pay, among other things, her rent. She had a big issue with unpaid taxes. She didn't pay her taxes. She also wanted to eliminate the IRS. She uh, was a big believer in celibacy, spoke out against masturbation. Might be a good idea to ask these Republicans where they stand on masturbation. You would think, right? Right. It's settled law that the Republicans are in favor of masturbation. You would think it's settled law that they would be pro-contraception. Let's start asking these candidates the basics. Do you believe in masturbation? She said China was trying to take over the United States. And, you know, in today's Republican Party, she'd be considered a communist. Nothing wrong with her right now. She lost by almost 15 points. Then there was Sharon Angle. She ran for Senate in Nevada against then Majority Leader, Democrat Harry Reid. Let's see, plagiarism, Scientology, which she denied. Uh, she spread lies about Sharia law. She was saying that people in Michigan are living under Sharia law. Uh, she said that America should withdraw from the United Nations. She called for the elimination of Social Security, not the privatization of social security, the elimination of social security language, Sharon, you got to watch your language. You can't say eliminate. You have to say privatize. She said marriage is between a man and a woman. She said she doesn't believe in separation of church and state. And most importantly, Sharon Angle said she doesn't believe in abortion, even in the case of rape and incest. She said, oops, Rape and incest was all part of God's plan. And she lost. She lost. And that brings us to Todd Akin. Remember Todd Akin? He ran for Senate in Missouri back in 2012. He too was asked about abortion. He was asked about abortion in the case of rape. And Todd Akin said, and I quote, If it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down, unquote. He said he spoke to doctors and doctors told him that women don't get pregnant if it's a legitimate rape. He'd be right at home in today's Republican Party. That was 10 years ago. He'd be right at home. Richard Murdoch was running for Indiana Senate seat in 2012. This was just 10 years ago. He, too, was asked about abortion in the case of rape. And Murdoch said the woman should be forced to carry the baby because the rape was all part of God's plan, unquote. And Murdoch refused to take that back. He lost, and Republicans like John McCain Labeled him an extremist. That was ten years ago. That was, that was what it took to be called an extremist ten years ago. Meanwhile, a new Indiana—he was running for Senate in Indiana. Uh, a new Indiana law was passed on September fifteenth, twenty twenty-two. It's not in effect right now because it's in the courts. But this new law—I uh, think it was the first law. Passed after Roe v. Wade was overturned. And it was supposed to go into effect on September 15th of this year. The law bans abortions for rape and incest after 10 weeks. Now, let's pause and think about that for a second. It bans abortion. Uh, It allows for abortion uh, for rape and incest. I'm sorry. It's just I can't even... Uh, fathom this. The new law bans abortions for rape and incest after 10 weeks. Okay? You got 10 weeks for a young girl to report her father or her uncle or her teacher to the police. 10 weeks. Then go before a judge and then she has to find the money for an abortion. So, Indiana has outlawed abortion in the case of rape and incest. 10 weeks you don't even know you're pregnant sometimes until way after 10 weeks. So these candidates that Mitch McConnell was mocking, you know, we learned our we were supposed to have learned our lesson 10 years ago. These candidates would all be right at home in today's Republican Party. They would have won in today's Republican Party. Please go ahead, Mitch McConnell, with your post mortem
1: and unfortunately revisited that situation in uh, 2022. Our ability to control the primary outcome was quite limited in 22 because of the support of the former president proved to be very decisive in these primaries. So my view was do the best you can with the courage you're dealt. Uh, Hopefully in the next uh, cycle, We'll have quality candidates everywhere and a better outcome. He is
0: saying in the next cycle, we'll hopefully won't have Donald Trump bringing us down. Trump has made an enemy, that of Mitch McConnell. And McConnell, and not just McConnell, Kevin McCarthy won't admit it. Kevin McCarthy needs Trump in order to be speaker. And that may not happen. But uh, Kevin McCarthy... He doesn't like Trump. We've heard the tapes. He doesn't like Trump. He has to deal with him. They want him to go away. Trump is going away. I've never if you listen to this show, you'll know that I've always said, don't count Trump out. This is, I think, the first time that I'm writing his political obituary. Trump turns 77 next June And on election day, he would be pushing 79. People get old. Trump is getting old. He's gotten old. The whole thing is tired. People say never count Trump out. I used to say that. But they counted the vote and they counted Trump out. He lost in 2020. He's out. He's been counted out. People say don't count him out. He got counted out. He left the Oval Office kicking and screaming, uh, but he's out. Uh, you know, he, he filed 60 lawsuits to prove that the election was rigged. They were thrown out. He, They say, don't count him out. He's out. Trump, by the way, loses all the time. He lost the popular vote in 2016. He just lost the fight against Uh, turning his tax returns over to House Ways and Means. He is a loser. He is a loser. The only thing he's really won is the Electoral College in 2016. But Trump is an inveterate loser. That's why he had to turn to the mafia. He's a loser. Uh, On December 6th, the Trump Organization was found guilty of tax fraud in New York City. This should this should make it next to him. That's Alan Weisselberg, by the way, uh, wearing a mask. He, he's a COVID denier. He just doesn't want to look at his face. He's just trying to cover up as much of his face as possible so people don't throw up looking at the sight of Alan Weisselberg. Uh, so the, Alan Weisselberg uh, is doing time. He was the chief financial officer for Donald Trump. And. He and some and the actual Trump organization, they were found guilty of tax fraud, which should make it next to impossible for banks and lenders to loan Donald Trump money. And it should theoretically forbid the federal government from ever doing business with the Trump family again. In Georgia, Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. She's seen here surrounded by a day's worth of Donald Trump's supply of bronzer. She convened a grand jury looking into charges that Donald Trump tried to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in that state. Right. If you remember, on January 2nd, 2021, Donald Trump was caught on tape. We all heard it. He was caught on tape telling Republican Secretary of State Brad Rafsenberger, quote, I just want to find eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty votes. Smoking gun. It's a smoking gun. The Georgia grand jury is also looking into how Donald Trump conspired to send fake electors to Washington, D.C. on January 6. Four days after that call to the Georgia Secretary of State, as you all know, all hell broke loose when Donald Trump stood on the ellipse before thousands of heavily armed supporters and urged them to storm the Capitol. And they were heavily armed. It's important to remember this. They were white and they were heavily armed. And Trump knew that they were heavily armed. Over the summer, during the January 6th committee hearings, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, senior aide Cassidy Hutchinson, testified that before speaking on January 6th, Trump wanted to know where where's my crowd. His secret service told him she said that his crowd is heavily armed and they're going through metal detectors and it's slowing down this the festival seating. And uh, so he was told you know we got to put them through metal detectors and they have to surrender their guns and Trump was infuriated. He said, "Quote, I don't effing care that they have weapons." They're not here to hurt me. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in, unquote. Yeah. So he knew they were heavily armed. But he said, they're not going to hurt me. And they're going to march to the Capitol heavily armed. Yes, he was certain that they were not going to use the weapons on him. But just to be on the safe side, I don't know if you can see this, he spoke that day behind a bulletproof plexiglass shield. Can you see that? I don't know if you can. And Mo Brooks, who spoke that day, wore a bulletproof vest. So make no mistake, the people who stormed the Capitol that day were white and heavily armed. And the only reason there wasn't a bloodbath is because someone, and I'd like to know who, somebody told the Capitol Police and the snipers on top of the building not to fire into the crowd, which they would have done had the insurrectionists not been white. Make no mistake, January 6th was a full display of white privilege. Now think about this for a second. Think about American history. Think about our law enforcement's history of firing into crowds. Think of, oh, I don't know, this guy, young Kyle Rittenhouse, who self-deputized. He wasn't even a cop and he was acquitted after he killed two protesters during a Black Lives Matter march in Kenosha, Wisconsin. He was acquitted. They said he was standing his ground. And now he's an American hero with the police, with the police. The police love him here in America. So January 6th, here's the question I would like answered. Why were no shots fired other than at Ashley Babbitt? But let's cut through a lot of the nonsense as we talk about January 6th. Remember those images. No shots were fired. And I'm glad shots were not fired uh, because now there are no martyrs. They're trying to make Ashley Babbitt a martyr, but they're not succeeding. So I'm glad no shots were fired. I'm glad that it's been a long prosecutorial slog. And I'm starting to think Merrick Garland is a lot smarter than I gave him credit for. It's death by a thousand cuts for Trump and the MAGA crowd. I I think Garland is succeeding at just nibbling away at this conspiracy. And, you know, I was the first one to scream, what are you waiting for? What do you, you know, prosecute and prosecute him. This is death by a thousand cuts for Trump and the MAGA crowd. So I'm glad shots weren't fired. But I'd like to know why. I'd like to know how it was remotely possible here in the United States that shots were not fired at this mob. This is perhaps one of the most important conversations we should be having about January 6th. Again, I'm glad shots were not fired. I want to know why. Why were shots not fired? We know, had these been people of color, it would have been a bloodbath. Why were shots not fired? Did the Capitol Police know they were outgunned? Why? Why were they outgunned? Stuart Rhodes, head of the Oath Keepers, was just convicted. He testified, he openly testified that, yes, he had brought enough weapons and stored them in a hotel room for a mini-invasion of a small island. He said he brought those weapons to Washington, D.C., and all he was waiting for was Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act. So, this just wasn't white privilege on January 6th. Why weren't shots fired? Again, think of American history. Think of how often... Our military, our National Guard can't state. Think of how often our police fire wantonly into a crowd. This wasn't white privilege. These people entered the Capitol heavily armed that day. I want to know why shots weren't fired. What did the Capitol police know? What did the FBI know about these white, mostly men, heavily armed, who stormed the Capitol that day? Why wasn't a single shot fired, except for Ashley Babbitt? We need to discuss that. Again, I'm glad not a single shot was fired, except for Ashley Babbitt. But what are we doing here in America— Allowing people to storm our capital fully armed. What are we doing here in America knowing that our police were outgunned? What was going on? Why weren't shots fired? If they weren't white, shots would have been fired. And if they were black people with guns, you can be certain It would have been a massacre. Big question that somebody should be asking, why weren't shots fired that day? Might have something to do with the so-called insurrection clause of the Second Amendment that people like Congressman Chip Roy subscribe to. There are people, white men, especially in Texas, who believe in the insurrection theory of the Second Amendment. We need to discuss why no shots were fired on January 6th. Again, I'm glad it was smart not to. It was smart not to. In retrospect, it was smart not to. Now, if Trump is indicted, it will partly be because the Capitol Police didn't fire any weapons. Attorney General Merrick Garland named Jack Smith as a special counsel to fold all of the Justice Department's investigations into that one office. Smith is reportedly looking into the role Trump played in trying to overturn the election in Georgia. Smith is also reportedly looking into the role Trump played in what is now being called the silent coup, the quiet coup in which Trump's lawyers uh, were sent around the country to try to drum up in illegal slate of electors uh, to go to the Capitol on January 6. And obviously, Smith is looking into Trump's coordination with right wing thugs heavily armed in the lead up to the attack on the Capitol. And of course, there are the classified documents that Trump kept from the government by hiding them in Mar-a-Lago, But wait, there's more. New York Attorney General Letitia James, who was just reelected, is suing Donald Trump. She is alleging he defrauded lenders for decades by inflating the value of his properties to secure loans. But then he lowballed the value of the same identical properties when it came time to paying his taxes. Attorney General Letitia James says Trump defrauded the banks and the Internal Revenue Service. She is demanding that Trump repay the banks about a quarter of a billion dollars. She is also seeking to forbid Donald Trump and his three children from ever running a company in New York state. They've already been banned from ever setting up a charity. Okay, Trump is also being sued by Capitol Police officers for inciting the riot on January six. There are at least 30 credible rape accusations against Donald Trump. The statute of limitations is somewhat murky. So E. Jean Carroll, a journalist who alleges Trump raped her in a luxury Manhattan department store, E. Jean Carroll is suing Trump for defamation. Trump is probably going to have to provide a DNA sample, make sure not to get it from a lock of Trump's hair. Otherwise, it'll end up pinning it all on Simba from The Lion King. I think that's where Trump gets his hair. Shall I continue? Trump is being sued for copyright infringement by Eddie Grant. Who wants close to a half a million dollars? After Trump refused to stop playing Electric Avenue at his rallies, Trump—you know the song Electric Avenue—Eddie Grant is great. Uh, listen to Electric Avenue. Listen to listen to the lyrics. Trump takes a song about race and inequality and then uses it to rev, rev up a crowd of bigots. The lyrics are explicitly anti-white nationalist. Uh, Eddie Grant is singing about starving kids in the ghetto. So apparently Trump supporters can't read and they also can't listen. They can't even listen. But wait, there's more. His niece, Mary Trump, is suing him to retrieve a portion of her $11 million inheritance. She claims he stole from her. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. I really think the Trump collectible cards, and by the way, the only real collectibles are what uh people who did some work for Trump are owed uh he 's got these Trump cards out. This is where he 's just shown his hand he 's shown his cards and he's got he 's holding nothing he 's holding nothing. he is done and If you listen to the show, I know we have a lot of new listeners. I have always said, don't count him out. This is the first time I've ever written his obituary. He, you know, I've been wrong in the past. I usually am. Uh, But I think he is done and he must run for office. He needs whatever political capital he can find to stay out of prison. He's got to be a candidate. He knows that because he knows it's hard to indict a presidential candidate who was already president. It's unseemly here in America, at least we don't do that in America. We should, we should be locking up all our ex presidents. They're they've, they are all worthy of an indictment. He knows that he has to keep running for office. He knows if he's running for office, He can't be indicted. Uh, He knows that if he is the standard bearer of the Republican Party, it's just going to be tricky for Merrick Garland to indict him because this is a country where voters can't read past the headline. The optics would be bad. But what if, what if Trump doesn't win the nomination? Then what? Then what? He, for the first time in his life, is running out of options, and he knows this. That's why he came out with these Trump trading cards. He's desperate for money. He is desperate for money. On Wednesday, a Wall Street Journal poll shows Trump losing the Republican nomination to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis by a landslide, 52 percent to 38 percent. It gets worse as it usually does with Donald Trump. A new USA Today survey of registered Republicans. These are people who actually vote in primaries. It shows DeSantis beating Trump 56 percent to 33 percent. What is that? 23 23 points? Am I doing? Yeah, 23 points. That's for people who actually vote in elections. This is a... uh, This is a poll of people who actually vote in the primaries. When asked if they even wanted Trump to run, only 31 percent, only 31 percent of voters said yes, they wanted Trump to to run. A new CNN poll shows 62 percent of likely Republican voters would like to see someone other than Donald Trump as their candidate. So. If Trump is Superman, as his trading collectibles suggest, his kryptonite is weakness. Like all bullies, his weakness is he's weak. But nobody's supposed to know that. Like all bullies, all you ever needed to do with Donald Trump was just blow on him. And he would crumble. He's a bully. The only reason he was able to take over the Republican Party is it's made up of other bullies who crumble when you blow on them, too. Trump knew that he just blew on them harder. He was a better bully than all the other bullies in the Republican Party. But what if Ron DeSantis is a bully who can blow harder than Trump? I think Trump is through. I really do. America, we're a nation of bullies. We are. We spend more on weapons than all the other countries combined. We are essentially a nation of frightened imbeciles who are physically and intellectually lazy. But I still believe in the American people. I'm a fool. And in the end, we rejected Trump twice. He lost two popular votes and he won the Electoral College in 2016, I believe, with the help of Vladimir Putin. He is a loser. He has to cheat. And the American people know that. Most Americans know that. And I believe the American people, as horrible as we are, still have the decency to know who's a bully. We can still spot a bully. And most of us, a vast majority of us, have been bullied and we resent it. Now, I'm usually wrong. Trump might surprise us, but I think he's going away. I think he's done. Once his mob smells weakness on him, the people who show up for his rallies, once they smell his weakness They will have nothing but contempt and disgust for him. And the way things are going, uh, I think in about six months, maybe sooner, I think everyone, and I do mean everyone, Republicans included, and his mob, everyone in six months will be demanding that he goes away for life in prison. I'm usually wrong, but everyone is going to want him to go to prison for the entertainment value alone, because in the end, that's all Trump was there to do. Entertain us, distract us so the rich could steal all our money. I'm David Feldman. This is The Mop-Up. If you enjoyed this portion of the show, please hit the like button. I Let me show you this new thing I got here. I love this. Does it work? I have a new subscribe button. Did it work? There we go. Isn't that cool? Hit the subscribe button. There you go. And there's another one. This is cool. Hang on. I love this stuff. Oh, it's the same one. Okay, maybe not. Anyway, please subscribe to this channel. Hit the like button. We don't have any corporate underwriting Uh, nobody likes me. So I just we depend on uh, word of mouth. So please subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends. Office hours starts Friday night at 8 p.m. Please be there. Go to my website for the link. Once again, I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Do you hear a chewing sound? Uh, No. Okay. But that is the first sign of a stroke. Did you know that?
2: The sound of chewing?
0: The sound of chewing or cinnamon. Do you smell burnt cinnamon or chewing?
2: (laughs) No, one of uh, the dog is chewing on a stick. I see.
0: Okay. Dr. Philip Hershenfeld is a real live Freudian psychoanalyst. And Ethan Hershenfeld is a real live son of a Freudian psychoanalyst. He is also a brilliant comedian, author of Today is Now, Go Today Buy now. on Amazon. And he will be at the comic strip in New York City Christmas Eve for Mary Stickmas. And Mary t- Stickmas. T- tickets are available right now by going to EventBrite. Eventbrite. And type in Mary Shtickmas. The promo code is Ethan. You get a discount. Yes. I am in New York City, spend it with Ethan Hershenfeld at the comic strip on Christmas Eve and bring a copy of Today Is Now. He will sign the book
2: for That's you. That's right. That's right. Mary Shtickmas. There's a seven o'clock show and a 930 show. It's a great tradition at the comic strip on Second Avenue uh, near 82nd Street. On uh, the east side, there's the book Today Is Now. And uh, get the book, but come to the show event. You go to Eventbrite or just go to the uh, comic strip, the comic strip uh, website, and uh, there'll be a link to the Christmas Eve shows, early show and late show. I'm I'm headlining both of them unless something goes horribly wrong. Um, you know,
3: <laughs>
4: with, with, with like, like with the Feldman show. The, and it,
0: things can always <laughs> you, you never know. It. Something goes horribly wrong on the Feldman show if we can get it to work. (laughs) That's that's when we know we are we are back live. It has been two months since we've done a live feed.
2: It's it's a what's called a hiatus.
4: Yes. And did you notice that those two months were correlated with a plunge in the stock market?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And a rise in covid. Well, yeah people had to leave their house they they, they they had no entertainment and uh they caught covid well oh. it's great to to see everybody i guess we should talk about if you don't mind you had a difficult day today and <laughs> i would be remiss in not bringing up uh a very well i
2: i had a difficult day but loki our beloved uh shepherd mix of 15 plus years had an even more difficult day because he we said goodbye to him this morning and he's now in the cold, cold earth.
0: Or um, on the bridge. Don't right
2: outside. outside. Rainbow bridge. You know, I, I abjure that infantile expression, the rainbow bridge. I find that I've always found that so silly. It sounds it sounds like a bad cartoon on Saturday mornings in the 70s, <laughs> like the Rainbow Bridge. Wow. I don't want to go on a Rainbow Bridge. I don't like bridges in general, but a Rainbow Bridge, that sounds like it's, it does not sound sturdy. It doesn't sound like it's going anywhere. You would jump off the Rainbow Bridge. I think that they need suicide nets on the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah,
4: it's no, I don't like That's how people talk, unfortunately. When I was 15 years old, a kid in my school died in a football accident. It was on Friday afternoon that this happened.
2: Well, by the way, I should point out it was at a, a yeshiva. It was at a Jewish school. So a football accident right. means that he was the agent for a player <laughs> and he died in a negotiation.
0: Because he touched pigskin.
2: No, go okay. on. Sorry.
0: It must have been hard playing football go ahead so i so this boy lived in
4: miami and they flew him back to miami for the funeral it was a great tragedy he was a really nice kid and i heard i wasn't there but i heard that the rabbi said at the funeral that god needed another flower For his Sabbath table, Hmm. and I was so revolted by that. I mean, this is sixty years later; I'm still revolted by it.
0: That God would have flowers on a table, right? Because of your hay fever problem.
2: I I don't find that as problematic because there you can see it's that religious spin on things. Of uh, I mean, I, I I find it hard to take in, in a way but i don't know why rainbow bridge just maybe i should just not be so judgmental it's fine if people want to think of a rainbow bridge but in any case he was a great dog he, he is a
0: dog. He, they live they live on
2: inside yeah. yeah he was a great dog and uh there's a a an app or a, a, just google i i recommend this um so I was curious, dad, you're kicking your camera. Don't kick the camera. You're shaking the camera. Thank you.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, You can find out exactly how long, like he was born August 24th of 2007. So you can just plug in and see how many days between certain dates. So um, he lived, um, he lived, uh, I'll tell you how many, how many days he lived. Uh, well he lived like 5593 days I think. It was a weird thing to to think about how many days in in the life of a person. So then I checked out on the the same website I plugged in my own life. I'm coming up on 20,000 days.
0: 20 and how many of them were good? <laughs> of those 20 things? I think how many like really great days. You could also click and see
2: how many of those days had alternate side of the street parking suspended. <laughs>
0: That's a great day. That's a great day. (laughs) That's a great day. So maybe that is how we should look at our lives, Dr. (laughs) Philip Hershenfeld. We we figure we have, if we're lucky, a hundred thousand days. That would be a
2: long life.
0: Okay. I'm bad at math. And you, and a baseball player, if you're hitting 300, you're a slugger. Right? So if you have three out of 10 good days you're even doing-
4: more effective
2: though david even more effective just if you can adopt if you can wrap your head around the buddhist principle of you can reject these notions of good and bad up and down success and failure all of that stuff and so the idea of a good day or a bad day is just a concept that lives just between your ears there's no such thing. It's just one of those stories we tell. It's one of those thought patterns we're stuck in. Just ra- rating everything. We look at everything, and we immediately go, up. Ah, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad." That's what we do all day. Right. So the real trick is to somehow—I don't know how—but that's the Buddhist trick to step Turn out of the amygdala of off,
0: right? Turns off. That, the, yeah. Is it the amygdala that keeps uh, uh, on high alert? To make sure we're under no threat, that it makes it impossible for us to have a a neutral stance. You can't do simple
4: mathematics. And now you think you're a brain
0: surgeon. I'll just I'm not a brain surgeon. I'll just pick. I'm not going to do a lot of cutting. I'll just pick away at it. By the way, what is the frontal cortex? There's a prefrontal. There's prefrontal. There's the amygdala. Oh, yeah. frontal. The, 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 the frontal is like the
2: bumper, and the prefrontal is the grill. <laughs> think, of it that. think of it that way.
0: But I would think, like, I always thought the prefrontal is not where the real, not the engine, but it, it turns out it is. That's where all the serious work gets done. That's
4: where <laughs> they do the cutting and lobotomies.
2: I feel like a prefrontal is like if you're in middle school and you're playing spin the bottle, if you're preparing to try to touch some breasts over a shirt, that's the that's the prefrontal.
0: <laughs> prefrontal nudity. <laughs> that's great. But so is there any, uh, the full frontal? Is that what you call the full frontal?
2: The full frontal lobe.
0: The full frontal lobe. <laughs> what What is the purpose of the full frontal lobe?
2: Is there any just to make make some spending money
0: <laughs> i'm I'm only fans so yeah. it, so you're saying the full frontal lobe <laughs> is, protects the the prefrontal i see okay uh well you' what is
2: and also there's that part of the brain back here it's called the rear end. what does that do? <laughs>
4: That's that's for vision. The occipital <laughs> cortex. That's where okay. vision is um processed. Translated, processed, yes. Yeah.
0: So, like if you can't see, you just go. It's like <laughs> television. You just hit the back of the TV and things straighten out. <laughs> that's why
2: when people say, What do you think? I have eyes in the back of my head? Yes, you, that's
0: exactly where they are. Ah. Uh. So you're up in Cape Cod.
2: Yes. It's turning into a dog graveyard up here. I have. So Boo, our beloved Boo, died in May of 08. And now Loki is right next to him. I buried him right next to him. It's sad. At a certain point, (sighs) things die. People die.
4: They do. Do do the other two dogs know he's missing? I don't know. But...
2: They were they were barking, and I was able to slow it, record it, and then slow it down because I couldn't tell what they were. They were both saying the Kaddish. Okay. <laughs> so, I, they I, I, didn't, I didn't know they were Jews, my dogs. <laughs> it turns out <laughs> they were. Weren't they
0: bark mitzvah? I'm sorry. That's yes, it. they were. They one had the, the bark first mitzvot. jokes I ever came yeah. up.
2: Yes, it's a good one. Me too. Two,
0: two weeks ago. I came up <laughs> 2 weeks ago. Yeah. No, I, what I did was
2: I I brought them downstairs before, you know, I we we the vet came to the house and so I was sitting outside with the vet and was able to do the whole thing with holding Loki in my lap, like just sort of embracing him. She sedated him and then then put him to sleep. But before she before we did that, I I brought the other two dogs down to sort of try to say goodbye or whatever. They don't they didn't really relate much. But then I was told it's a good idea. We went through this with Boo four years ago to then let the the dogs sort of see and sniff the corpse. To kind of so that they know what happened so that they don't think that what happened to Loki is just missing. But they right. get to see the. See. But they didn't really relate much to it. Gordemont's is sort of a happy puppy. He just wanted to play fetch. And Fafnir was just <laughs> sniffing around trying to find snacks. Right. She thought it was like going to a funeral for the catering.
0: Now, I'm a disciplinarian, as you know. I'm just curious, before you gave the final shot, did you make Loki sit for it and wait for it? Just Good one. Before, sorry. <laughs> It's so sad. I, I saw the dog. You last you, you put him on TV for me, and Leslie and I were looking. The eyes are so. There's nothing more. A are be- an old dog. Yes, he's like a puppy. They're, they're just there. It's very. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. So- he has. He had very. And also, when they put him to sleep, the eyes stay open. And it's not like in the movies where the the doctor or the priest go like this and then they stay closed. No. So these. Right. Right. But as the rabbi, I, you know, the rabbis say at the funeral, I was at a friend's funeral a few years ago and I'd been to a, another funeral in the same family. It was the same rabbi, this guy from. Uh, I think his name is Luckstein from Ramaz. And he said,
0: Rabbi Lukstein, uh, Ivanka Trump's. Yes, exactly. So he was, you know, you know Ivanka Trump's yes. rabbi.
2: No, I Rabbi Luckstein. Yes, I know him. So
0: I heard his conversions don't take. That's what I've heard. That's what I that's what I've heard.
2: Well, Well, here's what I didn't I didn't love his expression. I heard him explain to someone else at this funeral. He said, That's not him anymore. That's just the shell. That's just the shell. The soul goes up, and that's just the shell. He kept saying the word shell. I felt like we were at a clam bake. Just <laughs> <It's> not <laughs> it's it's not a great. I'm picturing like like shrimp or lobsters it's just a shell i just come up with another word it's not a shell right i I feel but i had the feeling that he had said this hundreds of times that this is just his go-to phrase it's probably
0: and and shell is not kosher that's right shellfish not kosher that's another problem my father's best friend was named shell (laughs) why do they name people why do jews do that they name people after things you're not allowed to eat
2: It's it's a cruel joke.
0: Rabbi Lookstein, that sounds like the nickname he got in elementary school because he was the Jew with the glasses. And they go, hey, Lookstein, hey, look, look over there. Lookstein, come on over. Can you play basketball? Lookstein, Lookstein. It sounds like a pejorative. But I
2: will say he. He runs a nice funeral. I didn't love the shell thing, but he, he he runs. I've been at three of his funerals and he he runs a he runs a nice funeral.
0: I like a rabbi at a funeral who doesn't perform. I don't like a performative service. Absolutely. I, I like like a, a guy who kind of whispers, just goes through the ritual and doesn't make it about him, himself. I, I, I found it my I, I during my father's funeral 25 years ago. I said, is this about you or my father? Right. Just pile it back a little.
2: Yeah, stop with the dancing and the sequence.
0: Yeah. Leave the mourners wanting more,
2: not less. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah. You're putting on too big a show here.
2: Absolutely. So I
0: found him very theatrical. Yeah. He was British, which yeah. was a real turnoff to me. Yeah. I don't yeah, think that, I that's, sure. that's yeah. Jews with British accents, who they <laughs> <laughs> that
2: is- yeah, that's like a blueberry bagel it shouldn't it shouldn't happen
0: i think once i don't know i just think if you move to great britain and you adopt a a british accent you should just be an anglican just go go with it
2: yeah c of e (laughs) church of england go for it
4: um I'll tell you what what I think we are experiencing right here and 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 witnessing. there There is a school of psychology having to do with um, denial of death, which we're all involved in to one with one way or another. And there are a lot of experiments, for example, they interview people outside on a street corner, and they either do it in front of a cemetery, and they don't call attention to the cemetery. They just stop the people and say, can we ask you some questions? And then they do people in front of, say, a department store. And it turns out if they ask certain political questions, people are much more rigid They're much more for the death penalty. They're much more right-wing if they're standing in front of a cemetery than if they are standing in front of some neutral place like a department store. And I I think all the levity that we are experiencing here tonight (laughs) Has to do with a denial of death.
0: Yeah, I, that, and I'm, I'm in control. I, I I do not approve of death. You're I don't. So sure. I I don't approve of it. And I and I'm being serious. One of the things that I thought was very beautiful <laughs> that how Ethan hung on to Loki as long as possible, and uh, you you know, as long as it. It didn't look like Loki was in pain.
2: Well, he was on a lot of pain. He was on pain meds for the last few months and uh, this and that. But I, I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to. Assimilate what you just said, denial of death. Yeah, I mean, I was I was crying a lot yesterday. I was crying a lot this morning, uh, two weeks ago when we thought we were going to put him to sleep then i was crying a lot so i'm not crying at the moment but and you can't be you can't at least i can't just be sad constantly but but i don't know is that denial of death i don't know i i don't think there's any denial of death speaking for myself i literally held him in my arms while he died and then i moved his body into a a blanket, which I wrapped him in and lowered him into a grave that I dug over the course of several days. And then I covered him in dirt and sand and clay and then put rocks on the grave. And it's identical
0: to some bad things I did up in Seattle in the 70s. It's like <laughs> Identical.
2: Sounds like a date. It sounds like my date last weekend. <laughs> I did
0: this for about three years in Seattle. I rather not talk about it, but just the planning, the shovel (laughs) out in the woods, the burials. Uh, Anyway, my
2: point is that there's no. I'm not. I can't. I'm not denying death. I was very. Yeah,
4: absolutely not. You were. You were dealing with it in a realistic way, but then (laughs) I was referring to all the jokes this evening.
2: Yeah, but that's one explanation. The other explanation is, is. this is a comedic show, so we're here to make sure. Oh, really? <laughs> you're the straight. You're the straight man.
4: I've been here for three years. That's <laughs> the first, first whiff of that that I got. Thank you for pulling in.
0: I have a very frightening laugh. I, I scare animals, by the way. I like your I laugh. Like a, a loud hackle that. Uh, that gets dogs, dogs to bark. Now, it's interesting.
2: Your, your laugh is great. And it's so present that the, I think the limiter on the, on zoom just cuts it off. So you can't even hear it. We can just see the laugh. Oh, good. Good.
0: Yeah. In that case, I'm a shrinking violent. Are you going to get another dog?
2: Well, we have two dogs. Uh, we had, th- we had three. Now we have two. So I don't think we're going to get another dog at the moment. Uh, My partner is very interested in a uh, particular breed that doesn't really speak to me. On the other hand, our little dog Fafner is not the kind of dog I would have ever gotten, and and she's amazing. I love her. She's a Chihuahua Shih Tzu mix. My partner is interested in getting a Papillon, which is like a little. It looks like the dog of like a a princess. What? It looks like the dog of a princess. It's like a little. If you picture a Chihuahua, but then with all sorts of like big puffy.
0: Right. It could be great. But, you know. But she's got to walk. If you walk it in Brooklyn, you'll get beaten up.
2: No, no. That's uh, old Brooklyn. Old Brooklyn. Old Brooklyn. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I would advise to give yourself a period of mourning before you replace the dog.
2: No one's replacing anyone.
0: Okay. Good.
2: And I don't recall asking your advice. Oh
0: you know, Ethan, I I don't think Ethan is a good poker player. Are, do you play poker?
2: I'm terrible at
0: poker. Have you ever played full frontal poker? I have a feeling because I don't think you have a poker face. I can tell when you're like in a bad mood, even before you attack. I'm not in a bad mood. You act like something bad happened today.
2: Well, something bad happened. No, no, no. I'm not in a bad mood. I uh,
0: just—that's
2: just a thing between uh, me and my father. Uh, It's a—it's a running joke of unsolicited advice. It goes both ways.
0: Hostility. It's well. I'm not used to hostility. I was raised in a very. Uh, milk toast Anglican Anglican household where nobody criticized there was like a 40 minute preamble if anybody had even the slight may may I if I may right you your your fly is open and it's hanging so yeah Um, hostility like when people are there I'm not going to mention who in my childhood uh, had trouble dealing uh, I don't want to violate anybody's privacy. You know right. my, my mother isn't here to uh, defend herself, so I, I I'd rather not talk about my mother <laughs> in front of a group of people. so let's just let's just say somebody from my past, but I rather not uh, reveal who this person certainly, is certainly. I I often fantasize about killing my father and sleeping with this woman, but I I don't want to reveal who I'm talking about. Uh, I think she had a problem with grief and might sometimes turn it, it came out in anger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when she would yell at me for, you know, leaving a mess in the kitchen and not cleaning up, I say, you know, you have issues with grief. You're actually sad. to see the Uh, filthy dishes you're not angry at me these dirty dishes make you sad and then she'd get angrier and i I think you're you're see you're you're sad that okay um all right this is great we're like i feel we're back in the are we gonna have dinner before christmas back in the saddle again dr Hirschfeller, are you going to see ethan on christmas eve
4: I very well might I certainly would like to uh, but the recent pa- the current pandemic is in fact a pandemic of the elderly the vast majority of hospitalizations and deaths are in people over 70 years old even if they are well vaccinated which I am I- i'm even going to get a don't tell this to anybody a unsolicited fifth vaccination because I've heard from certain people who seem to know their business that uh, it's worth doing. So the only thing that will stop me from going to see him, besides wild horses, is my concern over the pandemic.
0: So you would let a pandemic get in the way of I, I thought we'd go out for maybe if I'd have to check, but maybe we could go out for Chinese the night. Maybe go to Pandemic Express. They have uh as long
4: as long <laughs> as you find a Chinese restaurant with outdoor seating.
0: You know in, in the middle of the winter.
4: Yeah.
2: It it would be nice, honestly, if people behaved we're back in this thing now where're like people respond to the CDC saying you should mask people like hell no I'm not doing that again it's just right. it's crazy that this thing is it's just on fire again because people I think it is I think it might be the same people who objected originally but now on top of that it's people who are just tired of the whole thing
0: maybe so. we should move to Florida Ron DeSantis. <laughs> has it under control he's convened a grand jury to look into these vaccines and
2: and also down there you could have outdoor comedy year yeah. round. yeah yeah that's that would be nice if at the comic strip if they would open that that door and let some air in there which they don't do they wouldn't do that i think they're also the owners but there we're trying to watch.
0: sell tickets here what's that we're trying to sell tickets to your
2: show. <laughs> <don't Listen>, <laughs> it's going to be a great Stay show.
0: You may This may kill you, but I'm telling you. It's, it's going it.
2: to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. If you're, if you're looking for a funny place to catch COVID, RSV, or influenza, do I have this place? You can
0: catch all three. Ethan, all- Ethan will hold you in his arms. He's already <laughs> dug the graves behind the comic strip he's
2: all set for the show i will whisper whispered jokes to you on your deathbed i promise you will laugh you will cry you will catch a respiratory illness come out no. christmas eve which this year falls on the 24th <laughs> And the show, the show is, uh, the shows are at seven and at nine 30. The comic strip is one of the great rooms and it's one of the only remaining rooms, uh, danger has gone. Caroline's gone. The comic strip is still I, there.
0: I can't believe Caroline's is closing. Yeah. So yeah. go, go see Ethan. Dr. Philip Hershenfeld, thank you. And I put you guys, I, this took up, uh, a lot of your time because we had as usual technical problems it was worth it it was thank worth you. every minute of it go pick up today is now today
2: and, is now on dr. amazon benjamin. dr samuel wow. benjamin
0: this zoom the
4: zoom is great i heartily ha- approve okay thank you okay see
0: you,
2: see you around God, Thanks, the a, oh and he's gone he's wow.
0: gone he left Wow. uh thank you and i know this was a difficult day
2: that's you. how the that's how those uh new york shrinks are when the time is up the time is <laughs> up they don't, there's no extra time they're just <laughs> out of there
0: to kleenex right at me and yeah. Yeah. he was out hey if you enjoyed today's show do me a favor and go buy today is now by dr samuel benjamin go buy this book it's written by ethan it has the feldman guarantee if this book doesn't make you laugh I will reimburse you.
2: If this book doesn't make you laugh, I'm going to throw you in a hole and cover you with dirt (laughs) because you're dead.
0: And uh, no, seriously, I I want to say hello to everybody who showed up in our chat room on YouTube. I didn't announce this because we weren't sure we could pull it off. How long did we spend working at the technical difficulties?
2: A mere 22 minutes.
0: A mere 22 minutes. So I maybe
2: 18. I don't know.
0: Yeah, we, this has not been uh, not been easy, technically speaking, but we're easing back into the live show. So thank you. And and also,
2: everyone say a prayer or just send out a nice thought to Loki, our beloved Loki, who passed away today after. Five thousand five hundred and ninety three days on the planet. All, um, right. all
0: right. Thank you, Ethan. Thanks, David. Hey, if you enjoyed this segment, please like it, share it, and subscribe. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Did we do it? We did it. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. Nuclear fusion, FTX, Ukraine, and sushi. Mm -hmm. That is what we're going to be talking about On today's episode of The Professors and Marianne, Nuclear Fusion, Ukraine, FTX, and Sushi. Welcome back. We're together again. I've solved some of the technical problems. Professor Marianne Cummings is a a particle physicist as well as Mm -hmm. Parks Commissioner for Aurora, Illinois. And we'll be talking about fusion, whatever the hell that means. And (laughs) (laughs) Professor Ann Lee is a brilliant writer. You can read her over at the Daily Kos under the handle. Annie Lee will be talking about Ukraine every night at midnight. She has an update on the war in Ukraine. And Professor Jonathan Bick joins us. He hosts the Twilight Zone at office hours every Friday night. And he teaches a class in Star Trek on Saturdays on office hours. Everybody should go and attend office hours. Go to my website for the link. Norway, Joe, sushi. Oh, David. What are you cooking for us tonight? First of all, is it snowing in Norway?
5: Well, I've been waiting two months since the last show. To um, season my my new walk that I, I got, so it'll just be a teaser for next week. I've got a a more reasonable size walk for indoors that I need to season, similar to the
0: the old one. What's wrong with the old
5: um, walk? It's a little too too soft and uh, bubbles up in the middle. So I have an induction top. And it, it tends to warp easier, so I, I bought a thicker, gauged one that I should help. And it's more manageable in size, but since we've got a snowstorm out there, we've got uh, oh too many feet of snow to dig out, I thought I would just make a little sushi instead. Okay. Very, so uh, I've got the uh, dashi liquid, which will mix with the sugar. And soak some rice, sushi rice, and we've got it's the only time you'll see me with pre-pre made ingredients. These are little tofu pouches called Inari. We make Inari sushi. So Fantastic. We'll steam the rice, makes a nice uh, sweet dressing. It's a it's a kind of a dessert, right? Savory dessert, salty and sweet. Salty and sweet.
0: Well, this is ASMR for the eyes. That's what we call it while we talk. You cook, and mm-hmm. uh, we look forward to to watching this. Let's first go to Professor Ann Lee, who writes a nightly update on the war in Ukraine. Any site? I haven't talked to you in two months.
3: It's been a very long it's time. Glad well, to be back. David. I'm
0: glad to see you. I real. I'm glad to see everybody. You look well. The new software,
3: if that's new software, it does. Uh, actually, it improves the uh, the look. If you're using the same camera.
0: Anyway. It's a new camera. Oh, cool. But the old Very software, cool. same face. <laughs> Sorry about the face. <laughs> Still I in was, one piece. That, yeah, there we go. I've, so it's been two months since we did an update on Ukraine. What has changed in the past two months?
3: Uh, uh it's, it's bad to say that nothing has changed, but the, the borders are pretty much the same um ukrainians kicked the russians out of herson there's been um little cross cross uh, border battles a few very interesting attacks occurred uh where there was uh, a bombing of uh, air bases in russia which is uh the the ukrainians haven't copped to it of course but uh something happened and uh, uh it, it may or may not have been missiles. In fact, there's a, a little bit of a controversy about even whether it was uh, uh, ground sabotage or, or actual uh, uh, drones where the Ukrainians actually refurbished Soviet-era uh, reconnaissance drones and fitted them with explosives and bombed Russian bombers on the runways, which was uh, very interesting uh, there is um, uh, some kind of sabotage, there's arson going on in Russia. A, a couple of days ago, uh, an entire shopping, shopping mall went up in smoke. Uh, it's a fairly large facility, actually, which is interesting. Don't know how that happened, and there's not, not much reporting on it, but it's part of a sequence of, uh, of arson attacks that have happened sort of around Moscow. So there's something going on. We, we kind of don't know what it is. I mean, there's the official sort of thing that uh, uh, Putin is doing. But, you know, he 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 canceled his uh, annual uh, national press conference, which uh, has him taking on all comers and answering questions to the nation. But I think they couldn't, you know, control it enough. And, and I think he had uh, one interpretation is that originally he had planned to, you know, make it a victory dance about taking over Ukraine. And that just didn't happen. So he's not going to go forward with that. Uh, The uh, the real kind of combat that's going on is is in the eastern part uh, of uh, uh, east of Kharkiv, uh, down near uh, Lukansk, It's on the border. It's uh, it's centering around a town called Bakhmut, Uh, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong, but it's uh, it's just goes back and forth. uh, Not much more than a kilometer or two on this whole line. That is uh, uh, many kilometers wide. And uh, it's a town that's been now occupied by both sides and uh, is been uh, the disinformation is interesting only because it's been framed in a variety of ways. Uh, It has a lot of Wagner, Wagner troops, who are taking mobilized
0: troops? That's Putin's and, uh, private army, the Wagner Group.
3: Yes, and and they've taken some mobilized recruits that they've taken from prisons, as well as uh, uh, sort of uh, people they've dragged in off the street, and they actually have resorted to uh, Soviet-style punishment battalion techniques. That is, uh, you can't retreat or we'll shoot you, uh, kind of things, and there is some evidence for that. So. Uh, Casualties are very high, nonetheless, and uh, it's close now. It, it should be in a couple of days, 100,000 casualties on on the Russian side. Uh, the Ukrainians uh, fessed up to losing at least 13,000 troops killed uh, in this war, but we don't really know what the real numbers are, but the 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 official figure released by the Ukrainians somewhere around that number, it's a lot more, but... The Russians have lost even more, by at least two or three to one, from a proportional point of view. Um, the uh, equipment situation remains the same. Money is being allocated. The uh, GOP in the U.S. is threatened to uh, either audit or cut cut uh, Ukrainian funds, which is uh, you know interesting. It was more furious before the election, and now it's uh, they're backing off a little bit, but there's. St- a lot of them still have Russian talking points. So that's kind of where we are. There's an expectation that there's going to be a major counteroffensive because the ground is going to freeze, freeze up more. Is, there's snow on the ground, et cetera, in Ukraine. Uh, a major counteroffensive on the Ukrainian side. But then there's also threats of a. Uh, most of the attacks are, are generally coming from the Russians, um, uh, it's a kind of losing proposition now, in in the sense that uh, uh, you know it's all kind of holding action, and for a, a variety of reasons, the Ukrainians are trying to keep them keep the Russians busy. Um, I, I think this is all because they've got something else planned, and that should be even more interesting at some point. So that's my little report. It hasn't gotten any funnier, although I I, I would say that funny. I I, I just find the Ukrainians are a lot more humorous than Russians are. I mean, they 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 make a really stupid little videos of, you know, Russian tanks falling off train cars and stuff and making jokes about it. So (laughs) this is uh, they're the funniest people I I can imagine
0: in the middle of a war. Right. Uh, Anybody want to bring up anything about Ukraine. Uh, I know that Joe Biden, for the first time, actually mentioned wanting to do peace talks with Putin. It's the first time, I think last week is the first time I heard Joe Biden even mention the idea of brokering some kind of peace. Is that the first time you heard that, Professor Marianne?
6: Uh, I hadn't heard Biden. Of course, whenever I hear of Biden saying everything, I, I see air quotes because I'm <laughs> not sure, you know, Biden knows who's the president. I mean, I'm so, sorry to be <laughs> cool, but I mean, this is really a disgrace that this is the best. This is what the United States has for leadership. Very cynical. But um, however, uh, I have Noted that there have been many in the Defense Department that have been making statements along those lines that maybe we should consider diplomacy. That's not coming out of our not coming out of our State Department, which is lousy with neocons. But uh, out of the people.
0: Why would the State Department? That's not their job to. Perform diplomacy and try to make peace.
6: (laughs) Oh, that's right. The State Department; their job is to foment war, unrest. You know, overthrow governments. Yeah. I I mean, get hostages back. Yeah, I I mean, it's when I first heard about when when I I think I vaguely remember hearing the uh, about the the coup in Ukraine. You know, like when it actually happened, and heard of, everybody heard about the uh, comment from Victoria Newland. You know, FDU. Uh, they most people didn't know what context that comment was made, and the con- the context was that there had been these this this late 2013 these Maidan protests, which turned violent, uh, mostly at the instigation of the C14. And uh, the the European Union was rather alarmed, uh, particularly Hollande and Merkel at the time. And they kind of got together with uh, Yanukovych, who was the president, and got him to agree to push uh, elections, which was a year out at that time, up to uh, early, uh, uh, several months early, and that he would agree to step down. But, uh, you know, Newland and other people in the State Department had other ideas. They had... They didn't want to risk, you know, like a regular order election. They had their guys, as she was quoted saying, yes, it's Selnik, I believe, is the uh, the guy's name that they wanted, that they eventually that eventually got installed. Interestingly enough, what a quinky dink. But, you know, of course, they were behind that. But I do I do remember thinking at the time, like not being all that surprised, like, oh, they're overthrowing another government, you know, like must be Tuesday or something. You know, it's just that's what our State Department does. Um, It used to be a little more clandestine. Now it's kind of out in the open. Even the uh, fairly benign-sounding NED, like uh, National Endowment for Democracy, is uh, not at all a benign organization. You know, they're the ones behind these color revolutions, and they want to foster unrest and destabilization of governments. So, you know... um, is that what has been traditionally considered diplomacy? Not really, but you know, the American way. So it's up its up to the people in our defense department and not even the secretary of defense, but the actual generals, you know, to kind of start nudging the country in the way of, uh, yeah, PNAC. Right. Well, you know, right. we don't... Th- these guys actually know something. I mean, if you're... If you're if you're a general, especially um, if you're in armored divisions or if you're an admiral in the Navy, new in the nuclear Navy, you have actually had to have an education. You actually have to understand physics, engineering, chemistry. You right. actually know something about what can be done and what can't. And uh, whereas well, I, I, I do want
0: to I want to ask you, you are a I don't know if you know this or not, but right. you're a particle physicist. Did you know that?
6: Yeah, I've been told.
0: So I want to talk to you about. That's on
6: some piece of paper that I've got in a drawer someplace. uh,
0: And you're with the Fermi lab. So we should talk about the the nuclear fusion in a second. I I also want to bring up there's some new there's been a document dump uh, about 10,000 classified uh, papers dealing with the Kennedy assassination.
6: Yeah, that was due today, right?
0: Yeah, it it came out today. And obviously we haven't had time to to go through it. I I think Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi have been assigned to go through the (laughs) account. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the Twitter files. Uh, And by the way, Mr. Freedom of Speech, Elon Musk today suspended the accounts of uh, Aaron Rupa. A lot of great journalists, some
6: journalists from The New York
0: Times had their
6: accounts suspended. uh briefly unsuspended Scott Ritter and then immediately resuspended him. I mean, it is astounding to me that intelligent people now actually think that there are better billionaires than other billionaires. It is preposterous. I mean, a very important public sphere of discourse, political discourse is privately owned. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean it should be a government-regulated, a publicly-regulated utility, but mm. you know, I mean, I, you know, all these liberals are pissed at Elon Musk, who is who were considering Elon Musk a savior, like a, about a year or so ago, because of his stupid cars, right? Which is in the, the and the SpaceX yeah. launch that most mostly, yeah, you know, ended up failing, but you know, I. I I don't know. Look, stop looking for saviors, my God. Uh, uh, I wanted to mention one thing before we go on. Uh, Some of us used to listen to a gal who podcast a lot. She was she was known as the sane progressive. Um, Her name was Deborah Lugisnon. I can't remember her. I can remember her last name, but I don't think I know how to pronounce it properly. But uh, Deborah, the sane progressive, and she died. And and I have to say that uh, you know I always thought I I listened to her and I felt that my political moral compass was was retrued to north right. when I would listen to her, and uh, I don't know how she died. People speculate she might have committed suicide. Bernie Sanders kind of broke her. She he broke her heart. He kind of like basically was the reason why she was so passionate about politics. And then later on when he just kind of got in line behind the regular corporate forces of that run our government. Well,
0: I think it's to blame Bernie. There's something else going on. If Bernie's breaking your heart, I'm sorry. I just, yeah, I,
6: well, that's what I was going to say. I said, look, there are my bottom line for all this. And I understood her and I really loved, loved listening to her stuff and what was right and true. But don't don't rely on heroes. There's there's no hero out there, a billionaire or Bernie Sanders. Well, that's Bernie,
0: Bernie, Ralph Nader. There's some there's some people.
6: There's some people who did some good. But Mike
0: Steinell. I think we can all agree Mike Steinell is a hero.
6: Oh, Mike Steinell is amazing. Yeah.
0: See, OK, Jonathan Bick, Professor Jonathan Bick, before we turn to FTX, and I do want to talk about the Kennedy assassination. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I had nothing to do with it. I well, that's (laughs) not what I've heard. I've been going through these documents. Your reaction, you've been quiet about all this. You want to respond to any of this about Ukraine and about Elon Musk censoring the champion of the First Amendment? He he suspended the jet tracker guy. I
7: just think Elon is is misunderstood. He's (laughs) he's working in mysterious ways, David. Yes. (laughs) Um, No, I have nothing to add On Elon Uh, Nothing surprises me there In terms of those developments But um, I I did want to say Regarding Ukraine That uh, the Biden administration Appears to be finalizing Plans to send Patriot air defense systems To Ukraine And Uh the Russian government is warning that this is uh, escalating the situation uh, even further, um, and it, this is exactly what a spokeswoman from the uh, foreign ministry uh, from of Russia said. We strongly advise those who make decisions in Washington to listen at last, if not to us, then at least to themselves. To draw the right conclusions from our repeated warnings that any weapons systems supplied to Ukraine, including Patriot systems, with the operating personnel, have been and remain legitimate priority targets for Russian armed forces.
3: Um, Wait, y- let me just interrupt for a second, though. With the announcement about the Patriot missiles, the Russians decided – and this is the usual disinformation stuff – to move nuclear-capable weapons to announce that they were going to be moving more nuclear-capable uh, missiles, ballistic missiles, into position. So it, it <laughs> it's sort of meeting provocation with provocation, but the problem with Patriot systems – is that they they aren't going to be in place for a couple of months this is not a new thing patriots have been discussed and their defensive systems they're not offensive systems and they're meant to defend things like nuclear reactors and this and the capital of kiev because i think that's what they're going to be moved there for now the the fact is that that Uh, I assume that Ukrainian crews are being trained on Patriot missile systems in Germany and Poland, and that's who's going to wind up still operating them. There's been this constant thread of trying to make it a war between Russia and NATO. And on the one hand, yes, it is. On the other hand, the Ukrainians are defending themselves. They're not dropping Patriot missiles on anything in Russia, at least now are not really designed to do it. They are purely defensive weapons in that context. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but
7: yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, but I mean, you know, they go on to say, uh, given the growing amounts of direct U.S. military aid, including the presence of U.S. servicemen on the ground, the transfer of very sophisticated weaponry, the handling of which requires months of training would mean an expansion of the involvement of regular U.S. personnel military personnel and combat operations with all the ensuing consequences. Um, so, you know, whether or not, I, I don't know exactly what this to object to from, from that quote, but uh, they are perceiving this as an escalation of the United States, you know, getting more involved in this conflict Um And I think it's dangerous. Um, You know, you said they're moving nuclear weapons into position. Um, I think we have to take this seriously.
6: I I just have to interject that, you know, most of the advanced uh, uh, weapon systems can carry all kinds of warheads on them, including nuclear. So, you know, it's nuclear capable only means that it can it can house a nuclear bomb. Which most advanced, uh, which most advanced missile systems can do.
3: No, this is true that the their so, Iskander you know, systems are, can already be nuclear uh, equipped, but the slightly larger ballistic missile systems were being described as being uh, put into position. Now, whether that's real or not, it's a whole nother, this is, this is they a hybrid Are talking about
6: their, their uh, next, their new generation hypersonic?
3: No, but they 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 have those ready to go, and they've already launched a couple of them. They've already used a couple of them. Uh, those are the ones that they had in Kaliningrad. Uh, but anyway, Kaliningrad. Yeah, I, I just
7: think that what we should take away from this is the urgency to end this war as soon as possible. Uh, the longer this goes on, uh, the more likely there is to be a mistake or.
0: Well, there already is a mistake. They keep saying more likely there is to be a mistake. (laughs) How many millions, five, six million Ukrainians are out of the country? Another couple of million relocated within the country? I mean, it sounds like it already is cataclysmic.
7: Well, you know, if you had a nuclear exchange, uh, it would be many factors worse. And. I just don't think this is worth that risk. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, if that happens, no one's going to be moving back to Ukraine where those detonations have occurred. Um, and not to mention all the fallout and all the, the cancers that would result, uh, you know, for decades down the road. So, you know, this has to end. And the the risk is too great here. For an expansion of this conflict or for a nuclear exchange, which could be uh, include, you know, everything up until uh, the annihilation of civilization. So I I think uh, we need to be. This should be their greatest purpose: is to end this thing as soon as possible. Yeah.
3: Well, there. I think that there is an end. The end will come in probably another, no later than another year, because they're going to run out of it. Um, yes. Both sides will run out of ammunition. Um, the, one of the reasons why the Patriot missiles are being moved in is because. The Ukrainians are begin, are going to run out eventually of their S-300 air defense system missiles, which are from so, the Soviet era. They're not as good, actually, but there, there's just a limit. Um, uh, there's was a, an estimate that, that a couple of uh, people have made uh, sort of off the cuff about how much – uh, ammunition is actually available. This is why the the Russians have been trying to get more ammunition from places like North Korea. I'm, cetera, surprised I'm surprised Biden isn't.
0: I'm surprised Biden isn't trying to sell them. So, uh, <laughs>
3: Well, that's that's where it's going to go. <laughs> Unfortunately, at some moment, somebody will may actually supply it for both sides. But I think that there's pressure. There's pressure for a settlement. It's just that I think that the the West, quote unquote, is waiting to see. How well the Ukrainians can do in the next couple of months—if they can actually drive the Russians out or drive them into a major defeat—I think then talks will start. But that's pretty much, uh, if I were going to predict, that's what's going going to happen in the next couple of months. But I, it it can't last longer than next year. There's too many constraints on all kinds of things. I mean, it's just—I um, mean, it's just incredibly messy already.
6: Well, I got a question for either Professor John or Professor Anne. I mean, did you uh, did you read the um, the article, the translated from the German article uh, interview with Angela Merkel? Oh uh, no, last no. week, where she admitted, Der Zietz is the name of the uh, magazine anyway. She admitted that basically um, she came to understand that the that the United States and Ukraine had no intention of ever following through with the Minx Accords. She admitted that basically mm-hmm. the Minx Accords was just a stalling tack- tactic to keep the Russians at bay at, while they built up Ukraine's forces to confront Russia. Mm-hmm. Now, there's an excellent article, I th- uh, a site that I've read since the days uh, before the Iraq war called Moon of Alabama. Uh, and their December 10th. They have the translation of the article and I had and they have uh, what I consider an excellent discussion of it. Uh, I think Angela Merkel, if she thought she was trying to salvage her reputation, I think it took a hit with with this article because it just showed that she was weak. I mean, in principle, she was the most prominent uh, politician in Europe at the time to lead these efforts And she actually had the sympathetic ear of Barack Obama, who admittedly, like on many things, was rather weak, but nonetheless would have backed her. Instead, he kind of went with his neocons. Um, But I I just wondered if you had any thoughts about that. No disagreement. I think
3: there's some other good things that we're talking about. I I put up a couple of things that we're talking about, how how uh, Obama was kind of. captured, as it were, by a sort of neocon ideology and that uh, the Merkel position on uh, delaying uh, delaying the Russians, uh, you know, it's not that different than Chamberlain, you know, trying to delay the Germans. Um, it's it's sad to see it in that kind of context. But in fact, that's probably what was happening. But and we know, of course, that, 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 that history happened, intervened. And, you know, now uh, Finland and Sweden are part of NATO. So there's some things are that are not, not did, working did, well well did not
6: turkey yet let them soon in? <laughs> hmm? okay i mean turkey presumably you know has to vote them in but the uh, other thing is is that is, do you think that is then related to what appears to have been a sabotage of serious peace negotiations way back in uh, late march early april where yes. it seems that the russians and ukrainians did come to agreement which was essentially the main items of the minx accords but uh, <laughs> boris johnson uh Help screw that up for
3: X number of reasons, and I, I think that's part of the problem as well.
6: So the collective West must see some benefit in confronting Russia and conducting a war.
3: Well, I think the dominant view, and this is—it's uh, unfortunate okay. that it is that way, but it, it is does seem like a consensus, at least even a non neo neoconservative position would be from a realist point of view, that arming Ukraine to protect itself. Uh, it More force earlier on is probably going to be better um, than trying to either uh, let the conflict work itself out. It, it's uh, it seems that there's no other way to do it. Um, uh, this is and it, it, of course, is problematic because you have too many players. And this is a continuing story about trying to get everyone to the table. I think you
6: have one major player and that's the U.S.,
3: and,
7: and based on everything that's been said here tonight, it doesn't seem like the U.S. has a great uh, interest in negotiating this to an end. Uh, they seem Some to be doing everything section. they can to stop negotiations.
6: You know, well, uh, Raytheon's doing fantastic. Oh,
3: <laughs> Northrop <of> Grumman. <laughs>
6: it's
3: it's the top you know, five it's uh, U.S. corporations are doing of the government
6: well. that are making out
0: well, let's talk cuz I want to get to the Kennedy assassination, let's and nuclear fusion, let's talk about mm-hmm. Sam Bankman-Fried, FTX and FTTs. Something more cheerful.
7: <laughs> uh, Professor Ann, did you want to lead off on this or
3: uh... <laughs> <laughs> It's a major fiasco, but it it uh, just from an economic point of view, it uh, it just shows that, that there's still Ponzi schemes out there. This is uh, it, this is not as complicated as some people are making it. It's the size and magnitude of this scandal that is most problematic. I mean, the front end, of course, is the assurances that blockchain technology, blah, 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 will pr- protect, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, financial securities, et cetera. But the reality, of course, is that it has to finally get there to become securitized uh uh what uh sam bankman fried was did was a standard old-fashioned uh swindle you know he created his own sort of mini bank to shift funds to and then decided to spend the money on other things and then cover it cover his uh his expenses with just simply more new finagled things and he got in over his head essentially uh you know, needing eight billion dollars to get himself out of it.
0: We've uh, all been there. <laughs> <laughs>
6: well, you know what stuns me is just you know how publications like the New York Times are really trying to cover for him. They were going on blotty blah, blah. This is a, the FTX and his that company he ran in parallel that was kind of like a hedge fund, Alameda. and that there were all these complicated transactions and is really and I'm going. This isn't complicated at all. People put money into his exchange, and when they went to take it out, it wasn't there. Because he stole it to bet on other things. And he lost it. Right. I so, mean, that's not complicated.
0: What what is the difference nope. between trading cryptocurrency and trading the dollar? There's there are fortunes to be made. I mean, George Soros, didn't mm-hmm. he make a fortune trading the British sterling? So people do trade current currencies so is there something that different about trading cryptocurrencies
7: yes because they're not actually currencies uh what they are is simply speculative assets uh you you cannot pay uh any country's uh taxes with uh, a cryptocurrency you can with the british pound you can pay your british taxes with that uh, you can buy all sorts of goods and services with British pounds or U.S. dollars or euros. You cannot do that with these cryptocurrencies. I, I think mean, ecu- only... Was it
0: Ecuador that went?
7: Yeah, that's the one exception, right? And they've <laughs> lost 66 million dollars so far. Well,
6: and then the Ukraine, Ukraine set up some joint, you know, some joint uh, governmental you know, public private partnership uh with ftx and so that people could donate crypto and he had connection to the banks but it turns out that there was absolutely zero accounting i mean there was zero accounting in any of his in any of his transactions but i was told more
3: problematic was when uh sam bankman fried decided to donate to political campaigns on both sides Yeah. And has now left a whole bunch of politicians like uh, Kristen uh, Gelbrand, etc, you know, holding Excellent the bag, water. having to return the money. you know?
0: I was told that cryptocurrency was like the gold rush if the gold miners were using their brains instead of their picks, that by solving by solving these puzzles, you could uncover. New cryptocurrencies.
6: Your, your well, is
0: that
7: true? Is that that's yeah. the way it was? It was set up, you know, Bitcoin uh, by by quote unquote mining. So the uh, mi- so there was the coin. supply
0: and demand was determined by human ingenuity, the ability to crack these puzzles.
7: Well, but the puzzles were entirely artificial, right? Yeah. They they were created uh, so that they. <laughs> The, the, that the miners would have something to do to like quote-unquote unquote, enormous uh, numbers
6: into enormous prime numbers okay yeah,
7: but, but. It, 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 every single advantage the claimed advantage of cryptocurrency has proved to be illusionary mm-hmm. it, it's it's all nonsense uh, the only thing these things are good for is Paying for things illegally. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Facilitating crime. That's what right. well, cryptocurrency... There's
6: a huge demand for that. There is right. demand
0: for that. That yes.
6: economy... Until that... somebody gets... Until a big boy or girl gets screwed.
0: Uh, Sir Arthur Greb striebling sent me a documentary about the shadow economy. It is much larger than the real economy. So that cryptocurrency money... Uh, there's a lot of money that we don't know about.
6: The problem is, it's like black markets and underground, you know, banking and things like that deal with real things that people can actually hold in their hand. Um, uh, one one of our uh, one of our community members, while, uh, could do a lecture on cryptocurrencies. But one of the things he pointed out is that there are infinitely many of them. You know, you just have to, like, get a collection of people that decide that this particular, like, Bitcoin or whatever you are, Dragon Coin or Jail Coin, is going to have some value just because, you know, people are in agreement. People are in agreement that gold is worth something. And it is worth something. It's shiny. You make pretty jewelry. You make, you know, integrated circuitry with it. Um, but, you know, that's... uh Somehow there's got to be a common like belief that this little paper with the funny markings and pictures of dead presidents on them actually is worth something. What, what I don't understand. A,
3: a deregulate, deregulated activity. You know, there's very little control. This. There's little the, the currency question is sort of sideswiped by the idea that you have these, uh, cryptocurrency have no reality but are incredibly attractive because it's a kind of uh you know people are attracted to it but it's a kind of collective dodge that uh creates uh you know excitement in the market on the one hand but it's no different than charles Ponzi promising a 50% return on your investment every weeks you know this is the same kind of thing and and yet people a lot of people got bamboozled very large investors got got tied up in this this is this is made off you know exponentially higher
0: really it's higher than really it, uh, people should take no
7: comfort in in the uh, reality that uh, you know wealthy people Uh, Smart people have invested in cryptocurrency uh, because they these people have been taken advantage of time after time, as we saw with Bernie Madoff. And, you know, they knew it was too good to be true, but yet they they saw their peers doing it and they wanted to believe that it was real. So they continued uh, investing with him and they lost everything. So don't do this you know cryptocurrency is a scam you should be prepared to lose 100% of your money if you invest in cryptocurrency
0: where where if you had extra cash they've made it so there's no place to put extra cash anymore you lose to inflation well, yeah well there is now
7: i mean you're getting it's true you're still losing to inflation because inflation is higher than it's normally been. Uh, but the interest rates are higher, uh, you know, in bank accounts and CDs, in uh, uh,
0: federal treasury bills. And there's an infl- isn't there like a, a T uh, there's a savings bond that the federal government sells that. The I bond, yeah, the inflation I bond yeah. adjusted. Yeah. Which I think that's, was paying like 10, uh, 10 almost 10 percent at one time this year.
7: Yeah, it and, was and, until a couple of months ago. And now right. it's I think it's six point eight, nine percent went down.
3: Yeah. And and the fact is, because you're looking at longer term treasuries or whatever, the 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 question of interest rates is less problematic and, and for diversification. And the whole reality is, of course, these are accountable funds. These are not like, you know, mystery funds that are that are (laughs) that can disappear in a second.
0: Right. So I want to talk about the Kennedy assassination. Then we'll get to nuclear fusion. I'm very curious what everybody's take is on the Kennedy assassination. The archives are releasing uh, tens of thousands of documents. They did the data dump today. I think 26 documents are missing. So people are going to say, ah, what, what 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 is that about? One of the things that has amazed me through the through the mists of time, more and more people have come forward to say there's no question that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. And anybody who believes that uh, was either in on it or uh, is Uh, stands to 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 benefit. You're signaling it's it's almost like a virtue signal when Mm. people say, oh, Lee Harvey Oswald uh, acted alone. What you're saying is I'm a journalist willing to play to play ball. I won't dig too deeply there. the, The number of journalists who were there on November 22nd with the president, who went on to very lucrative careers, is phenomenal. Dan Rather was there. Uh, Robert McNeil, who hosted the PBS uh, uh, show. Uh, uh, Peter Jennings was there. A lot of people who made it all the way to the top. Yeah. of There the was new- a
6: young reporter, Kay Bailey, hmm. who later was Senator, Senator. Kay Bailey Hutchinson.
0: And the people who said... I think Oswald acted alone. Uh, They had a nice career. So it's kind of like a virtue signal. I'll say Oswald acted alone. I'm a good corporate toady. So as I've gotten older, I've talked to people who are my age and a lot of people my age say, oh yeah, he acted alone. You know, I looked into it. I I did my own homework. I did my... How anybody could not... Believe that there is incontrovertible evidence that Bobby Kennedy and the father and the president were working with the mafia to overthrow Cuba, Operation Mongoose. They were doing dirty, dirty things with the mafia, the CIA had been working with the mafia during world war II, lucky luciana to keep our ports free from foreign sabotage the C- the oss the cia and the mafia there was a reason j edgar hoover the head of the fbi refused to even acknowledge there was such a thing as the mafia they were a shadow uh part of our law enforcement not a lot but they were used and When the Kennedy brothers got Carlos Marcello uh, from Louisiana, one of the top mobsters, grabbed him and deported him, when Kennedy turned on the Teamsters and the mafia, a price was going to be paid. It wasn't going to necessarily be in Dallas. It was going to be on the day that Jack Kennedy said, you know, it's a beautiful day. Let's keep the bubble top off. They were going to get him Maybe not on that day, but they were going to get him because he pissed off the CIA after the the, after uh, the Bay of Pigs. He said, I want to smash the CIA into into tiny little pieces. You can't smash the CIA into tiny little pieces. The, The boys from Skull and Bones and the boys from Sicily who've been working together are going to exact a pound of brain matter from you, how anybody could think that they hadn't had Jack Kennedy in their crosshairs after the Bay of Pigs. You're just not studying history or you're a corporate toady who's, who's signaling, hey, hire me. I won't ask questions. I'm just stunned at the number of people who don't recognize that this was a conspiracy. It wasn't it wasn't officially sanctioned by the CIA it was there was no rubber stamp you know where they said there were cells within the five families there were cells within the CIA there were there were cells within the FBI who 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 did this it wasn't officially sanctioned by our government but there were members of our government members of corporate america members of the mafia who conspired to kill him how how
6: anybody could See, otherwise is beyond me. Well, I think a good chunk of the Warren Commission was deflection. You know, they developed high-speed photography first to, you know, do these physics studies, like, you know, to ascertain if he was the lone gunman. Now, Oswald being the lone gunman is a much different uh, statement than Oswald acting alone. I mean, here was a guy who was a Marine who gives up his citizenship, goes to the Soviet Union, manages to, like, you know, walk in and out of these institutions over there, goes to Cuba, they kick him out, gets welcomed back into the United States. This is at the height of the Cold War. What was going on with that?
0: Goes to Mexico, comes back, Back, good good friends with uh, Guy Bannister from the FBI, who was his handler.
6: So uh, you know this this famous screensaver that was uh, in the '90s that were up on all our screens down at D Zero Fermi Lab. I remember walking down there. It shows a bullet exiting from an apple with just a little bit of you know of a of an exit wound, but a big blast of an entrance room, You know, so my comment when I looked at that go, "Oh, Oswald could have been the lone gunman," and My colleague said, yeah, my 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 advisor did all that work for the Warren Commission. And I I was laughing. Oh, really? The thing is, but the thing is, is that there was a lot of really interesting physics in the Warren Commission study. But that was all deflection. I. I, Well, is it true? Okay, so let me hear. uh, I can believe that he's the lone gunman. However, he was probably tracked. But it was he was definitely known by our CIA. He was probably allowed to be walking free right. and being where Kennedy was, there might have been more than one Lee Harvey Oswald, right, running around too, right. For he me,
3: for me, it's frame three thirty-five of the Zapruder film. I yeah. it it just you can't physics-wise, I don't think you can explain away the way his head moves. But that's just me. Well, let's well, let's review I, that I, because I, I, we, the, the, we can the, do it.
6: <laughs> We have a particle physicist
0: here. We have a particle physicist here. No, but it
6: is true. It, it, it is not a lot of the, a lot of what you see is not intuitive. You really have is to. Is it
0: Newtonian? Because that's what they said. They say, the, the Warren Commission said it's Newtonian. For every action, there's an equal and opposite well, reaction yeah. that the brain, you, the, it can't. You the, send a
6: shockwave through the brain that gets to the front of your skull before the bullet does. And then it bounces back. Now the bullet has already made a big hole in one place, <clears throat> and so that shock wave comes there and blows it all out. Where well, many people would look at that and said, "Hey, the bullet couldn't have come from the place where it blew all out. It must have come from that direction." You know, etc. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting. But what do you
0: you think about that? that, that, that,
6: I I think that is a deflection. I think that the fact what was more important to me was that at the height of the Cold War, this Marine was allowed to renounce his citizenship, live in the Soviet Union, actually meet with lots of high level people in this relatively high level people in the Soviet Union, have a relatively nice apartment Goes back, goes to Cuba, goes to all these places, comes back to the United States, and is just allowed to, like, you know, regain his citizenship. CIA knew about this guy. And as I said, there were probably several of these kind of guys wandering around. Lee Harvey Owl was, well just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And uh, we never did get to hear his testimony. He said he was a patsy. He probably knew something was up. But, well, he um, didn't
0: think he 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 didn't know he was being charged with the Kennedy assassination until a reporter asked him if he killed the president. And then there was this look on his face. Is
6: that who was? that's what they're
0: charging? No, I think he didn't.
6: I, I think he no. Look, I, I I don't know. I can't get into his head and no one can at this point. But it just to me, far more, far more significant is the fact that, you know, this guy was allowed to go to the, live in the Soviet Union, ex-Marine, and then come back. <laughs> you don't think that the CIA knew exactly where this guy was? Of course, any, any uh, American at that time that publicly renounced his citizenship and went over to the Soviet Union, everybody knew who he was.
0: There is a, a, something that Donald Trump learned. He learned from Watergate. Roger Stone taught Trump— how to deal with scandal from watergate and trump learned from the kennedy assassination that if you do it out in on a sunny day right in front of everybody if you kill oswald on national television in front of everybody you just do it in 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 front of everybody there you'll get away with everything it it, it reminded me you know in casablanca when uh, Ugate gives Humphrey Bogart the the papers of transfer and Humphrey Bogart walks out in front of everybody and hides them in plain sight on Sam's piano. (laughs) uh, That to me is what the Kennedy assassination is. You do it for everyone to see and you just it's shock and awe. And nobody believes their own eyes. Professor Bick, what do you think? Uh,
7: I, I think the le- one of the lessons to take away from this is um, that government documents should be released to the public as soon as possible. And the idea that these things have been locked up for more than half a century is absurd. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the reasons that they give for having these things locked away and not accessible are weak, if not laughable. Uh, the, you know, it's, it is important in a functioning democracy, if we ever become one, to mm. know what the government is doing and to be able to hold the government accountable. And you can't do that if the government operates in secret. And these documents should have been released almost immediately, uh, if you have to redact certain names to hide, uh, you know, the privacy of certain people, fine. You, you can't redact entire pages.
0: Secrecy begets more secrecy. There's a direct link between the Kennedy assassination, the, the men who were involved in the Bay of Pigs. They were also involved in the Kennedy assassination mm-hmm. and they were involved in Watergate. Watergate. The people who were involved in Contragate were involved with the, the crack epidemic that when when you keep things secret, you create more things that need to be kept secret. Also- you also
6: create an entity that doesn't answer to anybody that, you know, basically only justify it has no one to justify itself but to itself. Right. Which is
0: yeah. Well, toxic. Let Let's difficult. wrap this up with nuclear fusion. Uh, okay. Where yeah, are? Yeah. What I, is, what is nuclear fusion?
6: Nuclear <laughs> fusion is when you um, fuse rather than break apart. Fission is when big unstable nuclei break apart and release energy. Fusion is when you've got smaller. Uh, mostly hydrogen sometimes helium sometimes deuterium sometimes tritium when you fuse those together to make helium usually it's a lower energy state and it releases energy that's the kind of thing that goes on in the core of stars and you know therefore people think wow it's nothing more natural than fusion (laughs) forgetting that the core of stars are some of the most extreme places in the universe outside of like supernova. it um, so that's been a problem. Um, there's two ways you can do it. This inertia, I don't know why they call it inertial fusion, but it is, it's basically <clears throat> trying to push these uh, atoms, uh, molecules together. Uh, deuterium, which is a Hydrogen has three flavors or more, but the, the, there's just the hydrogen atom, which is a bare proton with electrons. There's deuterium, hydrogen, and a neutron, and tritium, three, <clears throat> hydrogen and two neutrons. Um, in the core of stars, you have this fusion going on between deuterium and, and hydrogen, sometimes tritium, but mostly uh, uh, hydrogen and hydrogen first, and ended up making helium. Helium has two protons. And and uh, the usual isotope is two protons and two neutrons, which makes it stable. Um, so, the 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 type of uh, technologies that have been uh, that have been tried before I was uh, born to to get this into a regular energy uh, producer is what's called magnetic confinement. So you have these very very powerful magnetic fields that push together that you know. Uh, contract a gas of usually deuterium and tritium or hydrogen and deuterium and push them together uh, and and with the with the sheer pressure of the magnetic field cause fusion that has never broken has never passed the break-even point all right now there's something this inertial fusion is um, actually they kind of demonstrated something like that with, with, with uh, hydrogen bombs, but basically, but what they did here was they had little capsules of hydrogen and they bombarded it with laser beams. And then the uh, hydrogen within these little pellets fused and produced more net energy. I don't know how they measured it, but more net energy that presumably went into the lasers that uh, bombarded this little pellet with heat. Now, that's interesting. That's definitely a proof of principle. The, uh, but the problem is, is that unlike <clears throat> ITER in, um, in France and the big tokamak project in Japan, these are prototypes that if they get, you know, if they, if they get the materials right, if they get the magnetic stability right, they could be a full out power plant. This could be a functioning fusion power plant. This demonstration they did at the jet propulsion laboratory, even though significant scientifically, that's that's nothing. There is nowhere near a power plant. You'd have to figure out a way to scale that up to be, you know, to 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 be feasible. I I think it can be done. And Uh, how many
0: years away? We're talking.
6: When people ask that question again, you know. My entire life, fusion has been only five years away. (laughs) Right. And because, yeah, it works in the sun, but the sun, the vast amount of gravity uh, alone in in a sun is basically enough to put pressure on and cause the fusion to happen. Um, To ask that of magnetic fields being produced on planet earth here is an enormous, it turns out an enormous um, technological issue. It's one of stability and one of materials, because then one of the products of this, um, of the uh, the deuterium tritium gas, which I think is what they're running over at ITER, the products of it are helium and neutrons, and they're capturing the neutrons that come out into the material that produces heat well any material that captures neutrons sooner or later uh you know become ages and that's uh, so the uh so the problem i mean there's been enormous advances in in material science but that's still the challenge the challenge of the stability of the enormous magnetic fields you have to you know, It's become easier since uh, superconductivity, right? But then you've got a problem. The instant one of those super cold, like near zero degrees Kelvin magnets start going, heating up and start becoming normal conductive, you could have a real explosion on your hand. May not be a Chernobyl, but it would be significant. And there is radioactivity that's produced in fusion processes, they are just not the like, you know, half life of a half a million years type, you know, uh, spent fuel rods that we produce out of light water reactors, the fission reactors. But, um, but anyway, interesting. I mean, we're going to. This is going to. This this is interesting. And you know, instead of like all this money toward a war, why don't we have a World War Two scale effort? Like, you know, nobody getting a Ph.D. in in the physical sciences should ever have to worry about having a career if they want to choose that. I mean, we should just be beeping up our national ads. We can't. This is not a market driven thing.
0: I I I think we've had a moonshot, uh, a Manhattan project mm -hmm. uh, to keep it down so the oil companies could make their money.
6: That's
0: well, what I think. You know. uh, thank you, uh, Professor Marianne Cummings. Follow Professor Marianne Cummings on Twitter at Razor Girl. Read Professor Ann Lee over at the Daily Co's. Her handle there is Annie Lee. Professor Jonathan Bick will be at office hours Friday night to teach Twilight Zone and then Saturday to teach Star Trek. And Joe, you're an alchemist. This is as big as nuclear fusion. You, you took these these disparate elements mm-hmm. and brought them together. And what is that Friday night to teach? Oh, I'm twilight. sorry. I need to unmute you on this channel. Can you talk?
5: Yes, I'm um, unmuted now. All right. So what is that? This is called Inari Sushi. It's basically a square of tofu that's been deep fried and then submerged in a kind of sweet vinegar. Mm. So it's pickled. And then you steam rice and you use a similar uh, syrup, basically sugar, vinegar, and kombu seaweed and salt. And once it's able to touch, you can fill the tofu pouches with the the rice. So it's uh, treated as a dessert, and it's uh, savory and sweet at the same time. And it's uh, quite nice. Pinari sushi. And uh, this one is almost in the shape of Tokyo style. It's supposed to resemble a fox. Fox ears
0: sticking up. Hmm, fox ears. Now I'm really hungry. Now you got me really hungry. Thank you, Joe. And Joe, what okay. do we have in store for office hours?
5: Boy, oh, I have to look. We have a full schedule. Good, we have uh, loads of people, you know, lots of talk.
0: And I understand there's been like a fringe David Feldman show going on since I've had my technical issues.
5: We've, we've kept the. We started up the David Feldman list show, and it's We're much more it,
0: entertaining. Yeah. From what I understand, <laughs> thank you, Joe. Thank you so Take much. Care. We'll see you. Wow, it's good. Uh, we didn't have Professor mm-hmm. Adnan Hussein today, and uh, hope he'll be back next week. Thank you to Professor Anne Lee. Thank you, Joe in Norway. Thank you, Professor Jonathan Bick. Thank you to Professor Marianne Cummings. Thank you to all the people who showed up in our live virtual studio audience. I missed you all. Subscribe to my newsletter. Go to DavidFeldmanShow.com and you'll get your invitation for office hours. We do office hours every Friday night at 8 p.m. I'm there for the first hour, first 90 minutes, and then the community takes over. I'm David Feldman. Uh, Please uh, subscribe to this channel. Hit the like button. Remember to stay strong. Protect the weak.